Well, happy Mother's Day, all you mamas in the house. We are so thankful for you. You have a job that never ends, and, and you know that, right? Your, your parenting it is so important, and what you do, and, and in fact, all of you ladies, we want to honor all of you, whether you're a mother right now or not, Man, we are just so thankful that you're a part of this family, and we just want to honor you today, and I want to honor my mother, uh, my mother who watches our service every week from Michigan. Mom, I love you. Thank you for all the ways that you have been a blessing and continue to be a blessing in my life. Love you so much. And of course, Jennifer, the mother of my four kids. She is an incredible rock star wife of over 20 years now. And she is incredible in all that she does. I mean, she homeschools our four children. So that means she simultaneously teaches our youngest to spell while she's teaching our oldest calculus. And she juggles all of that while pastoring and being a rock star designer, an incredible wife and mom. I, I don't know how she does it all, but I'm so thankful for you, Jen, and, and all of you mothers. We are in awe today. This is your day. You get to do whatever you want. You just let us know. We want to take good care of you today. Happy Mother's Day. Well, before we get into the message today, I got to tell you, man, this last week was incredible. What God is doing in our church is just amazing. Uh, we had 21 more people baptized this week out of Clearwater Beach. Yeah, come on, let's clap our hands. Let's praise God for what he's doing. Man, it's amazing. You know, so many incredible stories, multiple people saying, among those 21 people, multiple people saying, this is the first church I've ever been a part of. And it's just so cool to hear the, the life transformation that, that Jesus is accomplishing in people's lives. And one of the guys, <laughs> before we baptized him, he looked at us and he goes, hey, you know, I have a long past. He goes, you guys should probably hold me under a little bit longer. <laughs> now, we resisted the temptation. We did not hold him under longer than normal. But I was thinking, you know, there's a lot of hard parts of being a pastor, but this is not one of them. Uh, baptism is every kid's dream. Like, people come up to you, can you, can you dunk me underwater? Just hold me underwater. This is great. <laughs> but no, it's incredible to see what God is doing and Man, I'm just so thankful for all of your prayers and your efforts and your generosity financially and with your time serving. It is making a difference in people's lives. And so keep at it, church. Let's, let's press into what God is doing this year. It's going to be really exciting to see all that God continues to do in these days ahead. Well, as we get into today's message, we've been in this All the Feels teaching series. We're talking about mental health. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. We're also talking about renewing our minds in Christ and how God has power to help us. No matter what battles we fight in our minds, God can help bring the victory. And so that's where we've been. And I titled today's message, How to Get Back Up When You're Feeling Down. How to Get Back Up When You're Feeling Down. Because we all know that the mental battles can get us down. They really can. And in fact, I had somebody in our church send me some images that people had posted online related to mental health. Related to depression, which we're going to talk a little bit about today. And, and I thought these were fun, so I'm going to put a few on the screen here. This first one says, this is your parents when you mention mental illness might have something to do with how you were raised. <laughs> I thought that was good. This is pretty funny, but sad and true. It says, well, apparently rock bottom has a basement, right? You, you've been there. Just It was bad and it got worse. This is a good one. If you think nobody cares if you're alive, try missing a couple of car payments. <laughs> And this one's specifically about depression. It says, you know, when, when you open your eyes after a depressive patch and you see all the beauty again, right? Only Jim Carrey can make that kind of expression and we know exactly what he's saying, right? Man, 
Well, we are going to talk about how to get back up when you're feeling down today because some of the, the battles that we face in our mind, they're on that lower end of the spectrum when it comes to our emotions and whether it's sadness or discouragement, despair, or even clinical depression. I'm going to teach from God's Word today in a way that I hope will, will hit you no matter where you're at in that area or if you find yourself in a moment like that. Maybe it's just a, a season of sadness or you find yourself really low. We're going to talk about how to get back up. But I heard someone once say that, that when, you're, you're, when you're drowned, it's not by falling in the water, it's by staying there. It's not when you fall in the water that you try, it's when you stay there. And so we want to get back up when we're feeling down. It's inevitable that we're going to feel down. And, and somebody here today hearing this message, you might find yourself saying, you know, I am down. I'm down in my career. I'm down to just how I feel about life. Maybe things in my family are down or my finances are down. Life just is down in some way. And whether it's today or someday out in the future, when you find yourself there, I hope you'll go back to God's word and some of these passages we're going to look at today because I believe it's going to help you get back up where you want to be. So let's get after it here. And what are we talking about? Some, some of you are saying, well, I, can you tell me a little bit more about what you're talking about when it comes to my mental health and, and these, these discouraging moments? And, and, and what we're talking about today, someone put it really well. They say it's, it's this moment where every step feels like a thousand pounds. Have you ever been there? It's just hard to make progress in life. Like you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like sleeping. You don't feel like eating. You might not even feel like living anymore. It's been called like an invisible disease because there's, there's some things that, that harm us, that hurt us, that we can see on the outside and, and we can all empathize. Like I'm sorry that you have that, that problem in your life and people can understand. But when it's in your mind, people can't see what it is. They can see the effects of it. They can tell you're down. You can see, you look in the mirror and say, I just don't, doesn't look like I'm myself, but I still see the same face. Everything still looks the same, but I just don't feel right. It's the invisible disease. As one author, Sylvia Plath, who struggled with depression in a severe way, as she put it, she says, yeah, I could feel the tears inside me sloshing around inside like water in a glass that was too full. If anybody spoke to me or looked at me too closely, the tears would just start flowing. Have you ever been to that point? She, she starts to write. She says, wherever I, I, I sat, whether it was on the deck of a ship or on the street cafe in Paris or Bangkok, I would be sitting under the same glass bell jar stewing in my own sour air. That's how she described her depression. It's like endless sadness. You can't even describe it. You don't even know why you're in despair. But, but it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult to get your arms around because you just, you don't know why. You don't, why am I so sad? Why am I so down? You may not even fully understand it. And, and you know, there's this, this far end of the spectrum where you, you have some serious issues and, and serious battles in this area that require uh, professional help, right? Clinical depression, you need to get help, right? But then there's, on the other end of that, on the lower end of the, the spectrum, there's, there is sadness and, and despair, discouragement that we all battle with sometimes on a weekly basis when things do not go well and we're just disappointed in life. Well, we're going to look at the story today of a man of God named Jonah who experienced some high highs and some low lows. And we're going to see how he responded and I believe learned some lessons beginning today in Jonah chapter 3. If you'd like to follow along, Jonah chapter 3 is where we're going to begin today. Now, Jonah was called by God to go speak to the city of Nineveh that was a wicked city rebelling against God, and God wanted them to experience his grace. God wanted them to find his forgiveness, turn from their sin. 
these were the enemies of God's people, the nation of Israel. And so Jonah didn't want to go to them. He didn't really want them to hear the good news and repent and be forgiven. They should be punished is really what, what Jonah wanted. And so Jonah ran from the call of God. And like, like you may have experienced, if you've ever run from the call of God in your life and you didn't do what you knew God wanted you to do, what his word told you to do, you experienced consequences. And so, so Jonah, you may have known his story. He had wild consequences. He ran from God. God literally turned him around and brought him back to where he needed to be. He, he experienced some severe consequences, thrown overboard, swallowed by the, the whale. I mean, you know the story. And, and then finally goes to Nineveh, preaches the good news, and the city turns from their sin. Exactly what God wanted to happen, exactly what Jonah didn't want to happen, happened. And that's where we're picking up the story in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Chapter four, verse one, it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life away, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And we're going to come back to this story in just a moment and see what happens next. But, but, but Jonah is angry. He's irritated because what he wanted did not happen. So he has a conversation with God. That's a good thing. He started talking to God about how he feels inside. And so he talks to God and God responds and asks him this question, why? Why are you angry, Jonah? And, and a lot of times we are, are irritated and we have, we have unsettled, unsolved anger under the surface And because that root issue, that root problem has not been addressed, it's not been resolved, that conflict has not been taken care of, that can turn into despair. There's a connection there between anger and irritation and despair and discouragement. And so Jonah, he has this this irritation. It turns into despair and discouragement. He starts feeling low because what he wanted didn't happen. And and if we're honest, a lot of the times when we're feeling down, it's because there's a little bit of selfishness mixed in there. We wanted something that we didn't get. Things did not go how we planned, how we wanted. We wanted things to turn out in in our plans, but for whatever reason, God didn't let it go that way, and so we're, we're down about it. We're upset, and sometimes we can get real discouraged about those sorts of things. And so he talks to God in prayer, and God asks him a question. God is trying to guide Jonah towards greater understanding. And he he asked him why. Jonah, why are you feeling this way? And it's a good question to reflect on when you're feeling down. Why am I feeling this way? On on the very far ends of this this spectrum of of, of being down in clinical depression, sometimes you don't even know why. But it's still a healthy journey to ask, why do I feel this way? And try to diagnose the best you can. And, And a lot of times you can't do it on your own. You need to get help. You need to ask somebody else to help you figure that out. Why do I feel this way? And when you could understand why you feel this way, then you're closer to finding the answers that you need. And so maybe you're feeling low today. Have you asked that question in prayer of the Lord? Opening his word, opening the word of God, searching his word, searching his heart in prayer through worship. Saying, God, why am I feeling this way? Why am I in despair? Why am I so sad? And bringing that before the Lord is a fruitful question, not just to God, but also to his people. People who could ask you the right questions like God asked Jonah the right question. Here's the first lesson if you want to take some notes today for yourself or someone you love who's down. Let the conversation that's stuck in your head get out through your mouth. 
Let, let, let the conversation that's in your head, you need to let that out through your mouth. You need to confess it to God. You need to confess it to somebody else. Say, here's what I'm battling with. Here's the struggle. Here's where I need help. To our family, I mentioned last week, we, we just got back from a trip out west. I was speaking at a conference in Phoenix and had an opportunity to take the kids with us on a road trip. Got to see the Grand Canyon, some amazing places. It's incredible. But, but of all the, the big things that we saw and all the big mountains, it's surprising to Jennifer and I, the thing that the kids seemed to get the most excited about was we were driving down the highway somewhere in West Texas, New Mexico, somewhere out there, like the middle of nowhere. And we see a tumbleweed blow across the road. Right, and then these kids, they're Florida kids. They've never seen tumbleweeds just blow across the road in the middle of the prairies. And so they were like so excited. Like, look, it's an actual tumbleweed, like blowing across the highway. They thought it was the coolest thing. They get all excited about it. This happens several times. They're just giddy. And so when we take the next exit, there's some tumbleweeds laying along the side of the road. So we get out. It was kind of windy. And we had a little fun adventure playing tumbleweed tag. Check it out. <laughs> that was fun. Just a, a random adventure on the side of the road. I mean, those are the, the best memories, right? But I was kind of thinking about this, you know, a lot of the, the biggest challenges mentally when it comes to despair and discouragement, it's these conversations that are happening in our mind that are bouncing around, that are rolling around through the highways of our mind. And, and we just need to let them out. We need to let other people know about what's going on in our mind. Otherwise, it's like a pinball. It's just bouncing around in our mind, bouncing from one side to the other, and, and it's not getting anywhere. We're not seeing any progress. And just like those tumbleweeds that just blow around out west, all across the plains, we have all these thoughts that are just blowing through our mind, and we need to talk to somebody about them. We need to let them know what's going on. And so it might be a spouse. Certainly it's God. Might be a good friend, a Christian mentor, might be a Christian counselor. But if you don't have somebody to talk to, I want to encourage you, get involved in a life group here with the Church Experience. We have the greatest number of life groups we've ever had. We have great opportunities for you to get involved and get connected and get other people in your life that can care for you and pray for you and love for you, and you can do the same for them. And so get involved, get connected, let us know. Online, you can go to churchexperience.tv backslash connect, or you can fill out your response card right in the service. And we'll help you get connected into a group or onto a serving team so you have those relationships. But don't do it alone. I mean, all, all these feels that we've been talking about, whether it's anxiety or depression, discouragement, I mean, all these, all these emotions that we struggle with and, and these battles that we struggle with in our lives, if you do them alone, man, I tell you, it's just so difficult. For example, being alone with fear, someone said, that can turn into anxiety. They, they said if, you, if you're alone with frustration, it can turn into anger. If you're alone with disappointment, it can turn into despair. When you're alone with these emotions, they can wreak havoc in your life. They can cause so many challenging and difficult situations. I was trimming some trees here around our central campus property with a missions trip that we had here in town uh, a couple months ago. And and one night I ended up just going a little bit late because I, I wanted to get these trees trimmed up. I was really into it. I was actually enjoying it. And as I was trimming these trees, I, I was leaving a wake behind me of all these heavy branches that I had cut down. And, and I knew I was going to have to circle back at the end of the night and haul all of them over to the dumpster where we were putting these tree branches. But my arms were already exhausted from holding this pole saw for hours and cutting all these branches. And someone from the church came by for some other reason and they saw me out there cutting all these branches. And they was like, hey, do you want me to help haul all these over to the, the dumpster for you? 
And I can't even tell you how much weight that took off my shoulders. Right, literally, because my arms were so tired from holding this pulse off for hours, and I was trying to do something good, and yet I knew it was still a lot more work to come, and this person came along and said, hey, let me just, let me help you out, and they split the work in half, added strength, added help, and you know, we're just so much better together when we can have people in our lives that can come alongside when we're weak, and we've been working hard in life trying to move things forward, and they can say, hey, let me hold your arms up. We're, we're better together. In fact, that's the whole the whole thing with the vision of our church and planting church experience locations, new churches in cities that need healthy, God-honoring, modern Christian churches that are biblically sound and modern in style. The reason why we're so passionate about planting these churches that you hear about continually is because we believe we really are better together. And as we're starting to see people accept Christ and give their lives to Jesus in different places, even now in different states, we're, we're so passionate about this because we believe as we together focus on one mission as one church, we can see more kingdom work happen. We can see more lives change. We can see God's kingdom move forward and new territory taken as we together advance God's kingdom because we're better together. We help each other. Jonah chapter four, let me go back to this story. And Jonah, he, he's been asked this question by God, why are you you're so angry? And we don't see an answer here yet, but the story goes on verse four where we left off where God asked him a question. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he had made himself a shelter and he sat down in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah and gave shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, the Lord God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh in which there are more than 120 thousand people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals. So Jonah, he gets attached to this, this shade plant that's grown up around him. And when it's gone, he's all upset. He's angry. So again, he's angry. Just like he was just earlier in this story. He's angry and God says, why are you angry? So God needs to illustrate this, this point to help Jonah understand. And so he allows this shade tree, this shade plant to grow around him and and it comforts him, and then it dies, and, and Jonah's angry again. Same emotion, same feel, different experience. And so now God can really get through to him, and he says, so Jonah, do you see how you care so much about this thing that you really didn't have much to do with? You really don't care much about this shade tree other than it's giving you shade in this moment. And he says, yeah, there's this city that's perishing, and I care so much about these people and these animals and, and everything that's happening here in the city. I want them to know me. I want them to know my love. I want them to experience my grace. I want them to be forgiven because I care so much about them, and yet you're angry. You're angry because it didn't go your way. Jonah was angry because the shade tree didn't go his way. He was angry because the city didn't go the way he had planned. And sometimes we can get upset when things don't go our way. You know, this is interesting that, that God teaches Jonah truth through asking questions. Jesus did the same thing. In fact, did you know that this book of Jonah is the only book in the Bible that ends with a question? The last sentence in the book of Jonah is a question. It's the only book in the Bible where it does that. But God sometimes gets through to us through the questions of others. 
So you get around a, a, a Christian community, other believers that can ask you questions. And by the way, it's, it's always better to ask a question, right? Of somebody who's going through something, it's almost always better to ask a question than to, to preach at them, to give them a statement. Here's your problem. Here's what you need to do. It's better to ask a question. Have you thought about this? Have you considered this? You know, just, you just get so much further, and here God's asking Jonah questions, trying to help him process and discern truth because he has, in his mind, seen the perspective of his own desires and overlaid the situation with what he wanted to, and so now he's upset. And God's trying to take off these layers of Jonah's desires and help him see God's desires, God's heart for the people. And sometimes God needs to strip away some of these, these top-level layers that have us frustrated and say, does that really matter? Is that really important? Why are you so upset about that? Isn't it about trusting God? Isn't it God's will be done, not your will be done? Isn't it for God's glory, not your glory? Isn't it for his kingdom and not your kingdom? So let's celebrate what God celebrates. A lesson I see in this, this, this book and specifically in this chapter here at the end is that, that I will be disappointed, but I don't have to live discouraged. I'm gonna get disappointed. You know, Jonah, he had some things that didn't go his way. Both of these things, the city and the shade plant, they didn't go his way. And I'm gonna be disappointed in life, you're gonna be disappointed in life, but we don't have to live discouraged. Instead, we can reframe the hard things in our life through God's wisdom. Through God's truth, we can start to see the things in our life that we would never have chosen through the lens of God's perspective. Maybe God wouldn't want those things to happen either. But for whatever reason, God allowed it to happen and he can bring good out of the bad. I love Romans chapter eight. God works all things for the good of those who love him. He can bring good out of any situation, any difficult season. God can bring good out of the bad. You know, if you're in despair right now or somebody you know, I'd encourage you to point them to Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40, I'm gonna go ahead and read it to you. I just love this when we're feeling down. It's so helpful. Verse one, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. I love that. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. This too shall pass. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever's got you down, you can know that if you wait patiently for the Lord, you ultimately will see the victory in Christ. In the end, you will see the victory. I hope it's in this life, but we know how this life ends. As believers, we come before God and we, we are welcomed into paradise. We're welcomed into an eternity of joy in the presence of God. So we know how the story ends. We know that we have great things to look forward to. That's why we say things like the best is yet to come, because we believe that. We believe that God's best is still coming for us. But it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Perhaps whatever it is right now that you are discouraged about, it's going to change. It's going to get better. And maybe it won't change in the way you think. Maybe God will change your thinking. But either way, while you wait patiently on the Lord, God will help bring strength. He'll, he'll, he'll give you the endurance you need to get through. Wait patiently for the Lord. On that road trip I told you about out west, we stopped in Houston for a night on our way out to Phoenix, and we stayed downtown in an old high-rise hotel, and we're in this building. It's late at night. We've been driving all day. We want some hot showers. One of the kids goes in the, in the bathroom, turns on the shower, and, and they come out several minutes later, and they say, Dad, there's no hot water. I'm thinking, well, they just probably turned in the wrong direction, so I go in there and figure it out, and, and sure enough, I, I, I have the dial right, but it, there's no hot water. It's not even lukewarm. And I'm just thinking, man, this is not good. We, we need some hot showers. And so I said, let's just give it a couple more minutes. We have several more minutes. Sure enough, no hot water. No hot water at all. And so I call down to the front desk and I say, hey, I'm sorry, but the room that you gave us has no hot water. Can we change rooms? Because we really need some hot showers. And they said, well, it's an old building and it takes a while. 
you know, for the, for the hot water to get up to your room. And so uh, just, just give it a little bit more time. And I, I'm skeptical. I hang up and I'm thinking, man, there's no way. We've had this thing running for minutes and minutes. It's not just a matter of time. And, and so I'm like, all right, guys, let's give it a few more minutes. Let's give it five minutes. And so we're letting the water run. And let it run, let it run. And, and, and at this point, I'm looking around at the family. I'm like, all right, do you guys want to do cold showers or do you want to pack up all of our stuff and move to another room? Neither scenario is good when you're tired and you've been traveling all day. You want to pack everything up? You guys want to take cold showers? And everyone's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's two bad options, Dad. What do you want? And so I, I'm like, let me just check one more time. I go in to the bathroom, and it's been minutes and minutes. And I, I go in the bathroom, I put my hand under the water, and it is hot. I couldn't believe it because every time I had checked, at several minutes apart, every time it still had not been hot water. But because we were on the 15th floor of this really old hotel in downtown Houston, when they originally built it, the, the hot water heater was down, I don't know, in the basement, some lower floor, and it, and it took so long for that hot water to travel up all 15 floors. But it finally got there. And had we prematurely moved, we would have missed out on what we really needed. And some of you, when things get hard, you move along prematurely instead of waiting on the movement of God in your life. And God's wanting to do something greater than what you can imagine. God's wanting to do something better than you can imagine. And just because it's hard does not mean that God's not at work in your story. And so if you're feeling low today, if you're feeling in despair, maybe you're discouraged over the state of a relationship. Don't quit on it. Don't quit on that relationship. I heard someone once say that it's always better to dissolve a, or it's, it's always better to resolve a relational conflict than to dissolve a relationship. It's always better, always better to resolve the conflict than dissolve the relationship. So don't give up when it's hard. Just wait on God. He says, "I waited patiently for the Lord." Psalm forty. He goes on and he says, "He, he heard my cry." He, it's saying he cares for me. He lifted me up. Out of this, this terrible place that I was in, he lifted me up and he, and he put me on a firm place to stand. A firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth. He helped me bounce back from that low place to a place of glorifying and praising God. And it's like, you know, have you ever been on a trampoline? You know, we had some neighbors that had a trampoline a while back. They'd, they've since moved out of state, but these, these neighbors, they had kids that were our kids' ages, and it was so fun because they were literally right next door, and they'd always go outside and play together. And they're, they're all good buddies, and in the back of our house, um, in our backyard butted up against their backyard, and these kids, the neighbor kids, they would sometimes be out there where our kids were doing, inside doing their schoolwork, and, and they would be done with school, and they'd be out there, and they would be bouncing on this trampoline, and they would just get their heads just high enough just over our fence so they could look in and see if our kids were done with their work so they could play. And it would be so funny because you'd look out there, they'd be bouncing up, and you'd just see their little heads just peeking over the fence like, hey, hey, guys, we're ready to play. <laughs> trampolines are so much fun, right, because what goes down is eventually going to bounce back up, and the more weight you put on it, the higher it's going to go. And some of us are in that moment where we're in that low valley of life where the floor has given out from underneath us and we have dropped to a low place. We're discouraged. We're sad. We're maybe in despair, depression, and we're down. I just want to remind you with God's help, just like Psalm 40 says, you may feel like you're in a miry pit, but God can elevate you. He can bring you back up. He can cause that thing to turn around and rebound and restore and renew. God can bring you back up to a place where your feet are planted on a higher ground. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Phil, I was so grateful for his message on anxiety and uh, so helpful that someone last week said, hey, Brandon, you know, pr Phil preached about not having anxiety. And last week when you're standing up on that log to illustrate your message, you were giving all of us anxiety. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I was standing up on that log and it was kind of wobbly, wasn't it? 
You know, it's kind of wobbling around. Thank God I didn't fall. But, but you know what it's like to stand on something you're not sure if it's very solid. You're not sure, and you might be in a situation where it doesn't feel very solid. And, and, and here's the lesson I want to point out from Psalm 40. When life is shaky, God is my solid ground. You might not be able to depend on that person right now. You might not be able to depend on your job next week. Is it still going to be there? You might not be able to depend on the economy or the politics or whatever it is that's got you all agitated. But what you can't always depend on is the Lord God Almighty. He is strong and he is powerful. He is immovable. He never changes. He can give you endurance to get through whatever it is you're going through. When life is shaky, God is my solid ground. Caleb made a comment to Joshua in Joshua chapter 14, the final passage I want to read to you today. I think it would be an encouragement to all of us. Maybe you're feeling low. This hopefully will give you some vision for the future. So here I am today, 85 years old. This is Caleb, who's lived a good long life. He says, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. I love Caleb's tenacity and his passion. He's like, I'm 85 years old, but give me that hill country. I'm gonna take it for the Lord. I'm just as vigorous as I was back then. Let me run at it. Give me a bigger vision because I got a big passion and I have a big God. You always want to have a vision in front of you for the Lord. Some specific goal in your life that you're praying about for the Lord, not for you, but for him. Some hill you're trying to take, some kingdom territory that you're trying to advance into. And that vision will increase your motivation. It'll increase your motivation. A lot of people don't have motivation in their life and they're down because they don't have a vision for the Lord. And when you get a vision for what God wants to do in your spiritual life, what God wants to do in your family and friendships, what God wants to do in your ministry for him and his kingdom to help people, listen, get a vision for God. And that inspiration will be motivation for you to serve him and follow him and to give your very best. You need a vision for the Lord. You need a vision. Well, in those low moments of life, we don't see a lot of vision. And sometimes it's because we feel down. We feel down. We feel discouraged. And I just want to remind you of a statement that I heard one time that's been so powerful that lead your feelings. Don't let your feelings lead you. And some of us, we're down today and we're prolonging patterns in our life that are not healthy because we're allowing our feelings to lead us. I don't feel like it. And I don't want to because I don't feel like it. Lead your feelings. Don't let your feelings lead you. And in low moments, when you don't feel like doing anything, do something productive so that when you do feel better, you'll look back not on a wake of poor decisions that have left you with consequences and have piled on things in your life that are going to make the road ahead worse and harder when you feel better. But instead, when you're feeling low, put your hands to work. Put your mind to work on things that are productive things that will help you so that when you do feel better and the clouds move away and the sun is shining through, you'll be able to survey the landscape of your life instead of seeing a bunch of brokenness that you caused. Instead, you'll see some things that were improved and very likely some of those choices you made will help you get to a better place, will help you get back up when you're feeling low. Let me give you a few examples, just some real practical things. Maybe somebody here today is feeling low and they're praying to the Lord, God, I don't even know what to do next. I, I don't even know what I should do to help me feel back up and I'm, I'm feeling so low. Number one, I'd say get around God and his people. 
Just immerse yourself with God's word. Just, just hit play on that Bible app and just run through those chapters and books of the Bible. And you put on that worship music. Get around some Christian friends. Be in a worship service. You may, you may not feel like being there, but it's okay. Just go in there and sing. Start to raise your hands. Praise the Lord. And praise your way through the pain. Another thing is, is learn something. I found that sometimes when I'm feeling down and lack of motivation, when I learn something new, it motivates me. Just sharpening yourself intellectually, learning something, learning a new skill, improving some area of your life. Get a good, good Christian book. Start learning. Another thing is to serve someone. A lot of times when we're feeling down, we, we have this victim mindset that we take on. Poor me. Look who wronged me, who hurt my feelings. Look what's not going well in my life. Look how low I am. Just start to serve somebody else. Just help somebody. Lift them up. Make their day better. And when you start to serve others, it's a powerful thing that God does in our life when we start to focus on others instead of ourselves. A lot of the despair that we face has to do with our own self-centeredness. We're focusing on our own hard road, our own hard journey. Another thing that I found helpful is to hang out with friends that are positive, that lift you up. Some, some of those who are really down and depressed in your life is because you've got a lot of depressing friends. I'm not saying you shouldn't minister to them and reach out to them, but you need some people in your life that will lift you up. You need some people that encourage you. You need to have some things in your life that you enjoy. You need a hobby. You need some things that are fun that fill you up and, and recreate you. That's what recreation is. It recreates us and helps us. And why we need to rest. Some of you just work too much. You're saying, I don't know how not to work seven days a week. It's just what I do, and I have to. But I'm telling you, you will be much more productive in six days than with a day of rest like God has given us and commanded us. That day of Sabbath, that day of rest, you'll be way more productive in the long run than you will going seven days a week because you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to be in despair. You're going to hardly get any of the right things done. Work six days and rest one. It's a pattern that God gave us in Scripture. And on that day, we decrease work on that day of Sabbath, and we increase our worship. Many of us, that's that's Sunday. We we come and we, we increase our worship together with our church family and we go recreate we enjoy the the recreation around us enjoy the beach enjoy all the activities we enjoy that day another thing that we can do is to enjoy rest and enjoy good food and times with friends sometimes it's getting a new exercise program Sometimes it is in simply enjoying the things that God has created, like getting out in nature, being around friends. Maybe it's solving a problem in your life that's creating friction. Perhaps it's creating a new rhythm, a new routine in your life that will help you. But whatever it is, whatever it is, take a step. Don't just sit there. Start moving. Get going in, in a new direction. And Jennifer, I, I, I so many times asked her when she's going through a hard thing, hey, babe, how are you feeling? I know that this thing was difficult for you. How are you feeling? And she has responded to me so many times in those moments when I ask her that question, how you feeling? She says, Brandon, I don't think about how I'm feeling in times like this. I just, I just keep moving. I just keep moving towards the Lord. I keep doing the right thing. And, and I love that because Jennifer's not somebody who's swayed. That's why she's a great mom. That's why she's a great wife because she's not swayed by how she feels. She follows what she knows is right. And it's good to feel your feelings, right? But we don't let our feelings make all of our decisions for us. And no matter what it is in your life that you have lost, whatever's causing sadness didn't go your way, I want to remind you today that we have the ultimate victory in God. Even if things for the rest of our life were miserable, we have ultimate victory. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of his life and his death on that cross for us. He gave his life so that we can find forgiveness when we place our faith in Jesus. For all of our sins, all of our failures and brokenness, we receive the grace of God through the gift of his son Jesus and when we receive him the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 verse 12 to all those who believed him and received him he gave the right to become children of God and listen listen to me no matter how miserable and broken this life may be 
when you receive Jesus into your life and are adopted into God's family, you become a child of a king. That is incredible. And what that means is you have an eternal inheritance, the kingdom of God to look forward to for all of eternity. Friends, we have so much to look forward to in Christ. We have ultimate victory. And so here's the final lesson today. My long-term hope is far bigger than my short-term struggle. Your long-term hope in Jesus is far greater, far better than any short-term struggle you're going through. So if you're down because of a health problem, if you're down because of a relational conflict, from the loss of a job or a financial crisis, whatever's going on in your life that you're down about, or maybe you don't even understand why you're down, I'm telling you, God can help you get back up in this life, but ultimately he's gonna raise you to victory and eternal life. So trust in him, move closer to him, and trust that God can help you get back up no matter how often you have felt down. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray together. God, thank you for your amazing goodness to us. Thank you for your grace and kindness and your love for us. God, no matter how many times we may feel down, God, you always pick us back up. So God, may we look to you today, to the heavens. May we trust in you. May we focus on you. And God, I pray for those today who are hearing this message. And God, you divinely put this message in their life today because they have been down or someone they know is down. God, I pray that the truth from your word will lift them up, that they will wait patiently on you, Lord, and you have put them on solid ground. God, our relationship with you, that's the solid ground that we need. God, that's the hope that we've been looking for. And we put our hope in you. We trust in you today. And we turn to you in the middle of our despair, in the middle of our discouragement. We trust in you, God. You, God, are our hope. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what you mean to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.